One of the most uh, fascinating people in all the scriptures is St. Peter, who's very much at the, uh, the heart of this uh, gospel today. And, uh, you know, Jesus asked the disciples who are gathered by him, you know, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? And there's a number of different uh, responses there. But, uh, you know, P Peter, uh, Peter really nails it when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus is going to confer a uh, kind of a, a mission for him on his horizon. And he says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Now, we know that Peter sometimes struggled with some spiritual pride, some, you know, some selfish ambition. And uh, so you can almost kind of picture him a little bit, you know, think, wow, boy, Jesus is uh, kind of, he's uh, given me this, uh, this kind of this great honor and, you know, look at me and, you know, he's, gonna, he's kind of naming me the, you know, the, the leader on the horizon. And, uh, but next weekend in the gospel, Peter's going to be kind of uh, hum humble because he kind of messes up and Jesus really needs to kind of put him in his place. But in today's gospel, the, the words of Jesus are really, in a way, kind of high praise toward, toward Peter. And, you know, we, we know from the gospel portrait that, uh, you know, he, he had great, deep faith, passionate uh, personality, and very highly intelligent, great leadership gifts. Jesus saw in him leader. But we also know that he did struggle with some selfish pride. He seemed to have a bit of a temper, could be impulsive. And uh, we know what happened right when Jesus was, when Jesus was going, going to the cross. What did Peter do? You know, three times he denied even knowing Jesus. So he kind of lapsed into some cowardice. But you know, when you catch up with Peter and the other, the other disciples after the resurrection, a change has happened. You know, the risen Jesus came to them and he forgave them, restored them, and would commission them. And you get the sense from, from Peter after the resurrection, he's a much more humble person and he's very focused on what he's meant to be about. And he is, he's, he, he's a leader. And we, we know that Peter died a martyr's death. He shed his blood for, for Christ. And he was, he was also crucified like Jesus was, but he has to be crucified upside down because he did not deem himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus. So what a change from it, from cowardice to, to great courage. And uh, you know, we believe the, you know, Jesus is the, or, or Peter's the, um, he's the first pope and there's a long line of popes after him up to our present day with, uh, with, with Pope Francis. And I'd like, to, I'd like to reflect a little bit on the, on, on the papacy because that's a very, very important ministry in the life of the church. And one of the, uh, the uh, before I just touch on a few elements with that, something that, uh, in what Jesus says to Peter, the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against, against it. I need to say something about this because sometimes, sometimes we, we can get kind of discouraged as we're, we're living our faith. And we, we know the, you know the devil's real, the evil one's real, and he hates you, hates me, hates the church, hates God. And so he's the tempter. And he's always tempting toward division and discord, and uh, you know, he, and he's wily. And you know, so, when, when Jesus says the gates of the nether will not prevail against you, he's also talking about you know God's much more powerful than the evil one. But you know, when it comes to the uh, what, what Jesus needs to remedy, is human weakness, human sinfulness. You know, some of the popes historically have been 
outstanding leaders in the church, even in, even in, in, in their impact on, on the world. And some have been less than stellar. And you know, they're, I mean, humans just like you and me need God, God, God's forgiveness. And they, through the history of the church, sometimes scandals happen and weak faith. And we need to know that uh, Jesus is at the heart of the church. It's Jesus' church. We're the body of Christ. When we walk into the church, we see the altar right at the center and, and the tabernacle. Jesus is present. And, and so when, uh, you know, things like scandals happen, and it's, it's always tragic and sad, but we, we need to know that you know, Jesus is the one who brings about renewal and reform, and he's not going to abandon us. He's going to be with us till the end of time. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we might get a little, a little bit discouraged as we're living out our faith, but, and sometimes it's our, our, our leaders who, who, who let us down. But we, we need to know that Jesus is the one who brings reform and renewal, and he's right here at the heart of the church, and that's our, that's our hope and our confidence. You know, the Pope is, is one of the terms we connect with him is pontiff, which means bridge builder. And so the Pope is meant to be a unifier. You know, there's 1.2 billion Catholics in the world. Every ethnic group, race, I mean, the diversity of humanity. And just to be that instrument of, of unity, it, it's quite a daunting task. It's one of the reasons why we pray for the Pope and for, for the bishop during, at every, every mass. They need prayers to be that pontiff that unifier. You know, one of the, uh, I, I thought it's a, a beautiful expression of this with, with Pope Francis. Do you know where he's going to be going to shortly? Um, he, he's going to be do, making a pastoral visit to, of all places, Mongolia. A little over three million people. Do you know how many Catholics are in, in Mongolia? I knew you wouldn't know that one. So that's a... <laughs> 50, about 1,500 Catholics in the whole, whole country you might think, why is the Pope going to uh, Mo Mo Mongolia? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons, but I, I think one, to be a, a pastor and to encourage, to, to lift up that, that, that flock, to, to live out the gospel. One of the things Pope, uh, Francis has mentioned is the importance of going, kind of going out to the peripheries. You know, didn't Jesus do that? Jesus ministered to the, to the poor, some people who maybe didn't seem to matter for much, and... You know, since the Pope's going there to, to encourage their faith, and it really kind of communicates that, that, that everyone is, is, is important in God's eyes and needs to be important in our eyes as well. And, you know, before Pope John Paul II, it was very rare for the Pope to leave Rome, the Vatican, and uh, that kind of changed with, uh, with Pope John Paul II. I don't know how many miles he logged, but man, he, he went everywhere around the world lifting up local churches and being a pastor, exhorting people to live living the gospel, and sometimes, you know, very, very challenging messages and words. So that's to be that, be that bridge builder for the, for the unity of the church and our connection with, with Christ. You know, the Pope is also called to be a teacher and to articulate in a, in a special way, a powerful way, what we believe as Catholics, our apostolic faith, so we're founded on the, you know, Jesus, we're one holy Catholic apostolic church. And our, our bishop, David, Father Michael's bishop in his diocese, successors of, of the apostles, and they have a special role in proclaiming the teachings of the church. You know, we live in a time, and it's always, probably always been the case, where there's a lot of moral confusion, there's a lot of doctrinal confusion, and uh, so 
what needs to be lifted up again and again is the sacredness and dignity of, of, of human life from the beginning to the end. Also, the, uh, uh, just, just the importance of our ministry to those who are sometimes at the margins, who don't seem to count for much in the eyes of the world. And, we, and also, also doctrinally, you know, we, in the United States, we have something called the Eucharistic Revival that's taking place. We're going to be focusing on that in a special way in September and October. And, and through some studies, it's, it's determined that approximately only about a third of Catholics believe in the true presence of Christ and the Eucharist. I mean, is that a doctrinal issue? And, and it, I mean, it, it, it's huge. So, you know, our, our bishops are, are lifting up the importance, the centrality of the Holy Eucharist for our health as Catholics. And so that's a special role for the Pope and for the bishops to be teachers and to, and to, be, to be leaders. And there's one, one last year I wanted, I wanted to mention, and the church exists to evangelize. At the end of Matthew, we're reading from Matthew this year, Jesus says, go and make disciples, baptize them, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. At the end of every Mass, we say, go. We're meant to live and share the gospel message. And the key evangelizer in the life of the church is the Pope. He, he's meant to lead us and our bishops. But all of us are about, meant to be about the work of evangelization because the Lord counts on you and me to live and share the good news of the gospel. Pope Francis, in one of his early writings, had an exhortation, and it, it seems so simple, but it, I think it was profound because we can so easily get distracted in living out our, our faith and kind of lose, what are, we meant, what are we meant to be about? And he, he said, I, I, I exhort all Christians everywhere to a renewed personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It sounded pretty simple, but, but that, I, I thought, that's, boy, that's right on the mark because we can so easily kind of lose sense of what is most central. The more Jesus is at the center of our lives, we're strengthened to live a healthy discipleship. And Jesus is always meant to be the focus and, the, and at the center of our life as a church. And when we receive the Eucharist today, we're receiving the Lord of the universe. It's not a, it's not a symbol. It's Jesus Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity. What a beautiful grace we're able to receive him so that we can truly witness to him in the world. So my brothers and sisters, as we gather today, we thank the Lord for our faith and the conferral of authority that was given to Peter, which continues in our day with Pope Francis. May they lead us with the heart of Christ to be good shepherds, be a good shepherd for us. We also pray in a special way for our Bishop David and our diocese, and please pray for all, all your priests and pastors that we can be faithful shepherds of the people of God but he's counting you and me. You're out there in the front lines. May you be strengthened to witness and to share the good news of the gospel.